0: Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up? This is Lou Ford here, and it's time for Coffee in a Car Ride. I'm in my ride, I got my java in hand, and I'm ready to cruise. So pour yourself a cup, jump in the passenger seat, and come for a ride. It's Coffee in a Car Ride. What's up? What's up? What's up? This is Lou Ford here. Back for another episode of uh, Coffee in a Car Ride. It's my podcast where I drive around with a cup of coffee. And rant about shit that pisses me off. You know, current events and all that. And for this episode, I thought I would present to you a conversation that occurred between my wife and my stepmother. And the topic of that conversation was whether or not the United States could ever really politically be a three-party system. Now, understand that this conversation was actually never supposed to happen because... It was supposed to just occur between my stepmother and I. And at the last minute, my wife and my daughter basically interrupted when they decided to join us on our way to my stepmother's house. Still, the question was brought brought up. And as a result, the two of them discussed it. And while it veered kind of way off course and it became more about the topic of socialism and whether or not it would really ever work in the U.S., it was still very thought-provoking. And so, I decided that I would present it to you. So, without further ado, enjoy! Also, just so you're aware, I didn't capture this conversation from the very beginning because, well, it happened right in front of me. It wasn't planned. Not that that takes away... And the integrity and the importance of this conversation. So I just wanted you to be aware that you're we're basically jumping right into it. Enjoy.
1: Look at what other countries can do versus what the United States could possibly do. I think that's where the big argument from people comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not the same. You know, it's, you know, the United States is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just not the same. You know, and so I think that's why people, you know, people say, hey, it works in Denmark because it's five million people. It didn't work in Brazil and Venezuela.
0: Oh, are we doing this? Uh, you guys are talking, I'm recording. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm also
2: trying. because I, what I want to say to that, that's completely understandable and I've certainly heard that. And um, the, the other consideration I have in my analysis is, most of the people that really say that with any sort of sincerity or fear of communism you know socialism are are are, are immigrants that came from like Cuba or Yugoslavia or right, East Germany li- which were a lot over the last since World War II you know and we began taking World more War II, since, refugees uh,
1: since what's his face 10 years ago with uh what's his name castro Yeah, They'll live with the fascists yeah. that's why they all voted yeah, for you know, trump exactly. they're scared to no.
2: death exactly so
0: communist exactly
2: um, but i understand those dynamics but they're like red herring concepts and terms you know that are just thrown out there like fish to but there's never or not enough of the kind of open discussion from knowledgeable people on these systems how they actually work and it's understandable when um, because I know a lot of those people from all of those places and I hear them and boy I emphasize and they're still traumatized and so they're stuck in some of their older traditional ways of thinking which is fine because the next generation isn't their kids are way less stuck because they watched how their par- they respect what their parents did but living in America now they see another level of freedom and prosperity and what socialism means here means you know it's a, it's a light white dove of one of Joni Mitchell's folk songs you know
1: like we, will def- I, I, uh, we will definitely be there like Joel, Patrick, that generation, yeah, will do it. Yes, it's not going to be my generation. Is not going to be able to do it yet. It's gonna. It's those. What are they? The gen, uh, the millennials or whatever. Right? Is that what yep. they call? Uh, you know, that's the generation. They're the generation that's going to yes. make the change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't think any generation before that will do it. I think it's the twenty somethings. You know that are going to do it mm-hmm. I think anything maybe maybe some of the maybe the early 30-somethings but really those 20-somethings are the ones that are going to bring about the change so yeah. figure if they, they need another what 30 years so I'll be almost 80
2: <laughs> when it happens <laughs> hopefully we'll be here to see it right love having this conversation with you because You know, I've been an activist all my life and I got my degrees in political science.
1: You don't have to to convince me. I'm on your side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't
2: know. I know that I'm just telling you how people feel, you know. Right. But having been part of all the activists of all the generations, it's still... You know, I've worked with every generation, you know. um, And it's been so exciting these last five years, ten years. Because the kids are just so amazing and they're on fire and they get it totally. And and they educate their parents pretty well too. It's amazing because they're, uh, to see that interaction. You know, when I was doing all the million moms marches and and the the environmental march in, in New York a couple of years ago, before the elections, and this and that. Just, it was amazing watching everybody come unglued, off the walls. When when you show up at a parade for the first time, your life changes. You can just never go back, because it's such an amazing energy, a sense of community, you know, with, with purpose, and you're outdoors, and it's, whoa, man, it's so wonderful. And in the meantime, I've been part of like the policy wonks from, you know, D.C. to Denver, working on, particularly from Colorado, all the renewable energy programs, all the sustainability develops. I've worked closely with all the groups of the United Nations for 20 years, from the indigenous people, working on the development goals that the SDS, you know, the uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, that are now adopted, you know, the Paris treaties and beyond. I mean, they're just standard um, way of thinking now for for anybody on the planet, particularly business and governments, now working together. And seeing the technologies of how easily it is for us to be doing wind, solar, geothermal, carbon, electric, you know, all of that technology and all of us that have been pioneering those groups, whether it was with John Denver, when he championed Buckminster Fuller and started the Windstar Institute Foundation in Aspen, which was I, I was on the board of for many years and we hosted 10 years of Choices Conference for the Future that brought together people, the leaders in all these fields for 10 years. That time, and they have sprouted organizations all over the world. Whether it was Japan or Europe or Australia, there are. When I go anywhere in the world, and people go, John Denver, oh my goodness, John Denver, you know, and they start singing Rocky Mountain High. There's been millions and millions and millions and millions of people doing using his songs and his programs about renewable energies and sustainable developments and organic gardenings and all of that. They've been doing permaculture for the last 30 years. There's a lot of that cross-pollination. Every time there's a global conference from the time of Rio till now, all of those people have gotten together more and more and more and more. we have such a solid base of programs that work. I mean, Saudi Arabia is doing green technology. Hello? You know? Um, everybody is, because you have to be. Or, you know, you're, you're just not paying attention. And Rachel Maddow just uh, talked about her book that is out again that she wrote. I can't remember the title, but she was just talking about it in the last couple of days on the whole oil industry that she wrote a few years ago, and it came out. And they're reissuing it now, because now under the Biden administration, where we're making a huge, huge uh, coalition of people to just do renewable energy, as we're rebuilding not just America, but the world. No one's building coal plants anymore. No one's going to build a nuclear facility. You know, there's no need to that. You know, there's plenty of other technologies that are just, like 80% of, of Denmark, Sweden, Norway, they're off the grid practically. You know, in all ways. Everybody's got a bicycle <laughs> you know, and a safe place to take it. You've got healthy gardens and organic food. Nobody, no, there's not a GMO in Europe, you know. The drug companies aren't allowed to buy any airtime there. So people just do natural eating healthy, exercise, community, laughing, loving, dancing, get on your bicycle, you know, get your little Hulu, whatever it is. Um, so it's exciting for me to have been part of all that that I just feel that in a year from today, you're going to feel completely different because the metrics, you know, with the way we're doing our budgets now, the way we're going to spend all our money, it's, we've got to rebuild infrastructure. They put it off for the last at least 30 years. You know, it's been a political football. Well, now we have to do it, and we are doing it. They've got all the plans for it and they're building it. You know, we're building it in New York. That's what they did with the Cuomo Bridge that was the Tabatsy. And that bridge got built. And it was finished, what, a year or two ago. And it came in on, on or under budget and on time, maybe a little early. Does that? And it's like the most gorgeous, fabulous, functional, people-friendly bridge. Well, we're going to have those things going on all over the place. We're going to have rapid transit with now state of the art technology, and now with technology and the infrastructure developed so much, you know, um, there's going to be fast tracking a lot of a lot of the things that I've been seeing firsthand, you know. And so I'm very excited, and I've been working with all the kids. I work with Greta came over from Sweden. All those kids are my friends. And, you know, there's no stopping them, period. But they're doing it now. In 30 years, we'll be in Utopia. We'll be in Utopia in in ten. Five to to ten. Living in the Orca space station.
1: science fiction has a way of coming true unfortunately, you know yeah. I don't know if it's a little too late we'll find out but, you know with the technology I guess we'll be able to live in a bubble if we have to, I don't know hopefully we didn't ruin the planet I think we did, but I don't know we'll see
0: Already a too fire it's already a dumpster fire. Resonist. Me too. Me too. Me too.
1: Though I think everything that they're doing is good, I just
0: don't know if it's too late. Uh, it's too late. it's never far. too late
2: to have a happy childhood. That's what we say in Aspen. Yeah, right. That's never our motto. Happy it's, on, it's on our license plates. It's never too late to have a happy childhood.
0: Never say that. Wow. Okay. All right. That sounds. Let
2: me tell That's you a,
0: that sound, that
2: good. a little story, I, I know. when um, uh, Clinton was president and he came to Aspen, um, you know, the bad no. boys in town are all part of the ski patrol and this and that and we were, um, somebody had taken a huge sheet. And on the, t- you know, it's just a little road coming into town from the airport into Aspen. Aspen's only 5,000 people. It's tiny. You know, it blows up to 30,000 over Christmas or 40, but that's what the hotels are for and condos and your homes. But um, as he drove into town that summer for to do a little fundraiser, the guys had uh, put this huge sign on a sheet that said, inhale to the chief. <laughs> That's Aspen, you know And you know I've, I've been raised around those kind of pranks and senses of humor and you know so I, I just thought we should put that little story in because even Bill and Hill laughed. who wouldn't?
0: Of course they would. Of course. How are you going to have a good childhood when half the land is burning and you have climate migration? People are leaving like California all that droves and then they go to cities and other places where then there's competition for jobs and resources. Then, as you put it, there's not going to be much of a very good childhood.
2: Well, no matter what, you want to have a sense of joy from your sense of gratitude and appreciation of what we do have. And look what we have, we have the ultimate. We have amazing family and we have health and we have these opportunities. And now with the policies changing so that everybody knows there's a level playing field and it's all in the renewables and we're not going to be having the subsidies With the, you know, the the oil, and um, and they're waking up. They're putting their priorities in different baskets right now, because they've known this. They've just been hanging on for as long as possible, depending on who the administration was. But um, I think with the job trainings. And I think with the way they're gonna make education and student loans more affordable and forgivable, which is gonna lighten the load of a lot of our our stressed out young people, you know, that are 50 and still playing student debt, you know, and are going back to school and wanting to do this. I think as we watch um, the policies, the programs, and the funding comes, it's gonna be like a fulcrum point. It's gonna be at a fulcrum where, you know, suddenly, you know, lights are flipping on and people are way more relaxed and more tolerant of each other because there's not the pressure on them that what's gonna happen next and there's not enough for everybody. Hey.
0: Okay, know? but, okay, the question I'm gonna ask you is, is to get out of the David. up being in competition with themselves along with outsiders who now are trying to now are trying to re-establish and, and resettle. Because the idea of climate migration is something that is very real. With what we've seen with like again, wildfires in California, but then getting worse and worse and worse. And the question is is that you can have all these different changes but with all the data kind of pointing to the idea that we have already kind of gone past the point of return. How exactly are we going to be able to turn this around and make it something that's going to be better, that's going to be beneficial when the majority of the world is still dependent upon oil and still is probably going to use oil. Or when the temperature of the earth has already gone past that point of where it would be acceptable and where it would be you know where it would be something that could be reversed so again climate migration how exactly would you say you can fix that the arc no but when i you yeah, good point but what i'm saying is that okay i'm put it like this people start leaving their places in droves florida the coastline becomes becomes smaller and smaller as, as water rises. People are fleeing to other places, like New York, let's say. Now you already have job competition. You have resources that are strained. You have overcrowding, people living on top of each other. Then you have people who are already established in the city, are living there, who are now resentful, to, resentful towards people who have moved in on their, on their territory. I'm saying, it's honest to God. I'm asking you, we're how exactly, soon. but how, but the question is that, how exactly is, <coughs> are we going to switch this around? How are we going to deal with that? Is that? We're going to have, as you put it, as you've said in Aspen and such, in Colorado, that have a, you, you know, a happy childhood. How exactly do you make that into a happy childhood?
1: I, well, I was gonna say, I as much as I I watch, I'm a sci-fi person, yes. and I told you I, in college I took a whole thing survey of science fiction, and it talks about, and it's basically about how most science fiction is based on is based in fact. So a lot of things that were like older, you know, like granted, there's no, we're not talking dragons and stuff like that, but we're talking technology-wise.
0: That's not
1: really, uh, it's not really That's sci-fi. More fantasy. It's bad, more fantasy. But um. So, in general, like, when you, like, I, unfortunately, like, when you watch things like um, Handmaid's Tale and all that, those type of, that's where our society is heading. And if, in a crazy, I mean, that might be a little bit fanatical, per se, but I think what's going to end up happening is government is going to start governing more, more of what we do and putting more restrictions on what can be happening i mean we laugh and say about you know with china with the one child or whatever but it's not far i know but it's not far-fetched or whatever that certain restrictions or certain jobs or certain things that were you know and i think when you think about it you know that's why um a lot of people are very against like Socialism and or democratic socialism and government control because the government, the more the government takes control of things, the more they're they they, they are guiding how uh, a, a person what a person can and can't do. And I, I get, I mean, the things that I that that, that I want to see happen now, I, I agree with them, but I can see how it can continue on to like the point of you know. You know, I don't know if it's gonna happen in our lifetime, right? But it could happen in Cassidy's lifetime, right? She'll live, you know, hopefully Cassidy has other 80 years on this planet. You know what I mean? So it's like when she's older, her children's children, you know what I mean, are, are not going to have what a life like we have. I think things like the like COVID and, and as we warm up and as the Arctic, uh, I think we're gonna, you know, that's why he says when COVID goes away, It's like, what's the next one? Because this is just the beginning for us, unfortunately. I think of, like, how we're going to have to live. And I'm not against the clean energy and I think all that stuff is great and it might prolong the inevitable but you know I'm sure that there are people either you know when they talk about building those bunkers underground and you know survivalist right and all those other things I'm sure you know and the government I'm sure they're coming up with their little ideas on you know Mean, how to like, build in space
0: like and they strange lover. They have a bunker and they have it all mapped out as to how they can continue the civilization, uh, yeah, you know, after basically. a thermonuclear war and, uh, yeah, and the and the world not being uh, salvageable for like a couple hundred, a couple you know, hundred like years. We
1: laugh about space exploration. Nobody wants to put any money into it. A hundred years now, People are probably Going to have to live out there You know what I mean Like we may not be able To live in this environment Anymore You know Or So who knows You know We might be able to uh, But it would be more yeah, Extreme you know, Right Maybe in 200 years oh, wow. 300 years You know It's just it's, it's interesting It's And scary at the same time And hopefully I'm not around to see <laughs>
0: this. Damn white people <laughs> So, Johnny, do you have anything in order to answer that idea of how you deal with something like climate migration, which has already happened, Yeah, you know, how would you answer a question like climate migration, how exactly to kind of deal with it, I mean, it's already happened in other, in other regions of the world, has resulted in civil wars, continued, you know, conflict, how do you think that seeing kind of the state and the direction that our nation is going and could go
2: this is the mode
0: well before before you say that how is gracefulness going to deal with with competition for resources and jobs or overcrowding how is gracefulness going to deal with that
2: because it's really all about attitude and emotion everything starts there so the more we can have gracefulness you know and gratitude in our beings um, someone's just asked me to start doing this meditation class yep. uh, I just feel um, that it's gonna be much uh, I just have a very a sense of ease about it because I think um, more and more people are learning to emotionally c- connect with each other and uh, And they've got. If if you look all throughout America and the world, every day the news is full of people just helping each other, and they're more than ever before and reaching out. You know, like the little kids that wrote the the thank you note and love letter to their trashman and put it out there saying thank you for. You know, there's stories like that. That's who we are as human beings. When you're not in fear, you know. No, and I think.
1: I mean, I said it in the car that day with Joe. Mm-hmm. Listen, COVID's a terrible thing. You know what I mean? It's changed. It's. I think for us as older people, I think it was a snap back into reality and got everybody yep. to yep. calm down, remember what was important. Yep. like I said, how many more people mm. put up Christmas lights this year? Yeah, because many that's more ain't people? have shit
0: to do. That's why. Yeah, no, right, but right. No, but I'm it, saying but no. Well, that's what, 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 what I'm
1: saying. It, it force people doesn't. to, you know, everybody's people are doing puzzles and but, but, you know that normal, you know. Still,
0: still doesn't. Oh. I don't. I, I don't see the how the that. The
1: generation that... that it's harming though is yeah. our as our kids.
0: No, I know that. Boy, every I'm kid I know is in eff therapy. I know that. You know,
1: it's like it's it's done a number on these kids, and I don't know if they're gonna you know what is it gonna recover I don't know if they're they, gonna recover they will. they will I don't know
0: but yes. the question but not in go. the way you I, think
1: their whole well. life is going to be different you can't go yeah. through something like that Yes. you know
0: hey then. thank you both that was a wonderful delightful conversation hey thanks for listening do you have any thoughts or feelings ideas comments about my topics my guests If you do, hit me up. You can catch me on Twitter at Papa Homebound. Until next time, peace. Coffee in a Car Ride is brought to you by Anchor, the app that makes creating and distributing a podcast easy. And also by, of course, coffee. for listening and all that you know uh, like subscribe you know comment whatever and also don't forget to uh, check out my blog white bicycle review is whitebicyclereview.blogspot.com check that out you know to get more to get some articles about politics and uh, you know other issue other current issues and all that you know check it out and thank you again until next time move forward